Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah 43. And in just a moment, we will look at verses 18 and 19. I want to talk to you today about living victoriously. And I want to tell you one of the things that I really want to emphasize before we have the Lord's Supper. There are a lot of people, and I'm, in fact, I just, if you've lived very long at all, all of us have a day in our life, at least one, that wish we could do over. Now, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, all right? Everybody has something in their life. They say, you know, if I could do that differently, I would. Can I get a witness out there? Anybody besides me? All right. Yeah, you say, you know, I, I, didn't, do, <laughs> I didn't do that right. I wish I could go back and not have said that, not have done that, or I wish I could have done a better job. And the devil, I want to tell you what the devil does. Look at me. He is so perverted and so perverse, he tortures you with mistakes that you've made in the past. Isn't that right? He tortures you. I mean, he, he brings it up to you. That's not, listen, when you have confessed it and forsaken it, it is, as far as God's concerned, it's gone. So if God won't convict you twice when you have repented, if God won't convict you again, uh, he won't do that. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I, I saw Grant the other day, and we kept their kids this last week, and he, we met them halfway at Natchez Trace State Park, and we went in there, and man, he has bulked up, and he got up and did five pull-ups. I was just glad to stand up, amen? I, I, you know, he's doing all, he's just all bulked up and everything. If I went up to him and said, you remember when you were 12 years old and what you did? Bend over, I'm going to whip you with my belt. You know what? Number one, I got more sense than that, amen? Number two, I'm a better daddy than that. And if I, being evil, know how to give good things to my son, how much more will our Heavenly Father give what is good to those who love him? When you confess your sins and forsake them and you repent of them and you say, Lord, I admit it, but not all that, I want to quit it. I don't want to continue to do it. Lord, I don't want to live like this. God forgives you and God throws it away. He forgets about it. Now, that doesn't mean that he has holy amnesia, but what it does mean is that he won't throw it up to you anymore. Amen. You say, well, now, wait a minute, preacher. It's coming up to me all the time. Where's it coming from? The enemy, the devil, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, the one who constantly reminds you of all your failures. That's not God. That is not conviction. That is condemnation. And aren't you glad for Romans that says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I'm talking to some people right now, and you say, Brother Steve, I, I hear you, but I've, I've repented, and I just keep on hearing this in my heart that I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. it it's not going to work, and all that. That's the devil, and you don't have to live in that. You don't have to live. Every thought you have doesn't come from you, and every thought you have doesn't come from God. Some of them are fiery darts from the enemy, and you've got about five seconds to deal with that and to say, not today. I reject that in the name of Jesus. I'm not living there today. I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. That's what this verse is about, these two verses, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Living victoriously. How many of you want to live in the victory? Amen? All right. Here it is. It's so good. I can't read it by myself. All right, would you read it with me? Read it off the screen so we'll all be reading the same thing because some of y'all got a living Bible or something like that and there's no telling what you would say, all right? 
So let's just stay with it right here with the New American Standard, all right? Read it with me. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from thy law. In Jesus' name, and if that's your prayer, say amen. amen. How many of you want to live victoriously? Anybody out there? I sure do. And uh, the Bible tells us how right now, right here in this text. First of all, living victoriously means that you can forget your failures. It doesn't mean you don't learn from them, but it does mean that you don't live in them, all right? There's a big difference, and I'll talk more about that momentarily. Look at verse 18. Don't call to mind the former things. Underline that in your Bible, the former things. That's what gets us into trouble. Our ponder things of the past. Again, you see the repetition, and uh, the Hebrews do that all the time. They just repeat themselves to add emphasis to it. Don't call to mind the former things. Don't ponder things of the past. Isaiah began his ministry when a great king, Uzziah, died. Uzziah had leprosy when he died. He had reigned for over 50 years in Jerusalem, and he died around 740 B.C. And he was a good man, but uh, he was a leper, and so he had to be isolated. And when he died, you might remember, that's when Isaiah had his vision in Isaiah chapter 6. If you want to read one of the most beautiful texts in the whole Bible, go read Isaiah 6. And it says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. And I've told you this many times, but the earthly throne was empty. But aren't you glad that the heavenly throne has not been, has, had never been empty, amen? God is always on his throne. And so he saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw all these holy angels saying, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy are you. And they were praising and worshiping God. And he fell down. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God sent cleansing to him through a of the coal and through the fire and the angel touched his lips and he was forgiven and then now he can hear the voice of God and he hears the Lord saying whom shall I send to go out there and serve me who will go for me and he said here am I send me that's in chapter 6 in chapter 7 now that he's called of God he sees the first he's the first person in the Bible to see the virgin birth of Jesus Christ that's where we get that text it's out of Isaiah 7, it's, which comes after, logically, Isaiah 6. He saw the Lord, and then he saw what God was going to do through the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, later on in chapter 9, he saw that Jesus indeed was God in the flesh, that he was the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then he would see in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was going to die on the cross as an atoning sacrifice. But at the end of chapter 53, he saw that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Isaiah saw more about Jesus than any other Old Testament prophet. And it's because he had an encounter with the Lord in chapter 6. So Isaiah is talking to these people and what he's saying to them is, you need to serve the Lord. But these kings kept turning away. Hezekiah, for instance, 
didn't do anything wicked. He was the man that God healed and gave him several more years to live. But he, did, he didn't do anything like sinful, bad sinful or anything like that, but he just did something foolish. He allowed the Babylonians to come in and see all the treasuries of Israel. And Isaiah confronted him in Isaiah 39. At that time, Merodach, Baladin, and nobody knows how to pronounce those names. So just say I'm fast and confident, amen? Son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he heard that he had been sick and he'd recovered. Hezekiah was pleased, showed him all his treasure house. That's a bad mistake, Hezekiah, because these guys are thieves. You don't show the thief how to get into the safe, all right? The, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious oil and his whole armory, all that was found in his treasure. He was just showing off. He just said, yeah, look, look at all we got, man. Yeah, look at this. We're, we're strong. There was nothing in the house nor in his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came <laughs> to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say? And from where have they come to you? Hezekiah said, they've come to me from a faraway country from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, they've seen all that's in my house. There's nothing among my treasuries that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Now when Isaiah said that to you, you better get ready to get smacked in the head with the word of God. Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming. In other words, because you've done this, days are coming when all that is in your house, all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. You have really messed up. But I want to show you how this king thought. He thinks it's the way a lot of us think. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good, for he thought, for there will be peace and truth in my days. As long as everything's okay in my time, that's okay. I don't care about my future. I don't care about the future of my generations to come. That's kind of like America right now. We don't care about our future. We don't care about our grandbabies. We just care about right now. What's the stock market doing right now? What's going on right now? Let's don't do anything that would impact the future in a righteous way. Isaiah 39, he prophesies, Isaiah does, that Judah will suffer and go into deportation and they will be in the hands of Babylon as slaves. And 150 years later, that prophecy came true. In 587, Nebuchadnezzar, the new king at that time of Babylon, would send his emissaries in and they would wipe out Jerusalem and they would burn it to the ground. But in our text, what Isaiah is prophesying is that after the Jews suffered for 70 years in Babylonian captivity, God would graciously bring them back. He'd forgive their sins, graciously bring them back to Jerusalem. That's what he said in our text. He gave them a promise. Don't call to mind the former things. Don't call to mind that you were being unfaithful to God, that you showed all this to these pagans. Don't, don't Remember all the times when you were hanging out with the Babylonians and all that. Don't call to mind the former things, your sins. Don't ponder things of the past. Even though you have turned away from the Lord and you have, 
run after the pagan Babylonians, even though you have engaged in their pagan idol worship, even though you are like your wicked sister Israel in the north and you have betrayed me again and again, even though your sins are piled up as high as a mountain, I am going to bring you back from slavery in Babylon. I'm going to let you worship me one more time and serve me here in this holy city of Jerusalem. Therefore, don't call to mind the former things. Don't ponder things of the past. The Lord was saying, I'm going to help you live victoriously. Even though you've sinned, even though you've messed up, there's coming a day of victory, and you'll be able to forget your failures. When we think about great sins in the Bible, it's not hard to think about David, a man after God's own heart, the Bible tells us in Acts 13. But he did some great things for God, absolutely, wrote some of the greatest Old Testament hymns in the Bible. But he committed infidelity with a woman named Bathsheba. Now, why did he do that? I'll tell you one of the reasons. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 12, verse 1, in the spring of the years, now listen, when kings go out and fight, David stayed behind and let the army go without him, and he stayed on the rooftop just hanging out. Look at me. That's why a lot of people say you've got to be careful with an idle mind. You'll get in trouble. You'll get in trouble. You can't just hang out and just do your own thing and lay around and be lazy and not work without getting in trouble. I mean, just you can't. The devil's going to put something out there like a Bathsheba. You say, why was she on the rooftop taking a bath? I want to know about that. Well, that's the way they did it back then. They didn't have hot water like we have it. We just go in there and turn it on and it's there. It's miraculous, right? No, something upstairs is running and you're paying for it whether you know it or not. And so they didn't have that, but they would let the water heat on the top of the house and they just had an honor code that hey you don't look at somebody out there while they're taking a bath and so this lady goes out she takes a bath and he's on the rooftop instead of out with the troops where he should have been and the bible said he looked at her he called for her they committed immorality she became pregnant she tells him he tries to uh, make it all right with her husband and everything it doesn't work out so he sends her husband, Uriah, out, puts him in the front line where he knows he'll get killed. And, and really, David might have well taken his sword and killed Uriah himself. So he commits adultery, he commits murder, and he comes back and thinks everything's okay, but it's not okay. And so God sends a prophet to him, a prophet named Nathan. And Nathan literally took his own life in his hand. And he went and he confronted David, and David, when he did, David didn't make excuses. David broke down. He repented, and God forgave him. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 12, David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to him, The Lord has also taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you've given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. God forgave him for committing those horrible sins of adultery and murder, yet God still disciplined him. And in time, though, David would forget 
his failures. Again, not that he would ever forget what happened. I'm not talking about that. But David no longer was under that sin. Somehow he knew that even as horrible as his sins were, he had confessed them, he had repented of them, and God didn't hold them over against him anymore. You say, but that's not fair. Neither is grace. Neither is grace. I heard a song by a gospel, Southern Gospel group, and the Neelands, and it's entitled, the reason you know it's a Southern Gospel group, listen to the title, Grace Ain't Fair. I... I knew what that meant right off the bat. I didn't have to have any interpreter. For all the hurt I've spread around, for all the people I've let down, for all the times I just was not there, I thank God grace ain't fair. For all the vows I didn't keep, all the damage that cut so deep, so I saw the pain, but at that time I didn't care. Oh, I thank God grace ain't fair. For all the prayers I've never prayed, for when I left but should have stayed, I should be lost on my own somewhere. I thank God grace ain't fair. Lord, you took a mountain that I deserve to give me life I wasn't worth. You bore a cross that was mine to bear. I thank you, God, grace ain't fair. I wasn't supposed to be something worth rescuing, but grace ain't fair. It found me anyway, so I... Here I am, free indeed, can't believe this is me, truly forgiven of all my yesterdays. I thank God. Grace ain't fair. How many of you are thankful for grace today? Anybody? You say, Brother Steve, I can't believe you said ain't from the pulpit. Well, I ain't worried about it. If you <laughs> will repent... Aren't you glad if we'll repent, which means not just to be sorry, but, but to ask God, I mean, to be broken over our sin. If we'll repent and say, Lord, I don't want to do that again. God will forgive and he'll wash your sins away and he will forget them. Not in the sense that God has holy amnesia, but he will never throw them up to you. If they come up again out of the sea of forgetfulness, that's not from God. That's from the condemnation of the devil. Repent means to admit your sins and also to quit your sins. And you can look at your past sins and you can learn from your past sins, but you don't need to live in the guilt of your past sins. Aren't you glad that the gospel of Jesus is a gospel of forgiveness? We don't talk about that enough. Acts 3, 19 and 20, Peter was preaching, therefore repent and return. Why? So that your sins may be wiped, and what's the next word? Away. <laughs> wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord so that he may send his Jesus Christ, the Christ appointed to you. Now, Jeremiah said the same thing decades later after Isaiah said the same thing to Judah not long before the Babylonians came. And he said in Jeremiah 33, 6 through 9, Nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds, even though Jer Jer Jeremiah was prophesying that they would indeed come and, and burn up the temple. And he said, but nevertheless, there's going to be a time when God comes to heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. 
God says, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel. I will rebuild their towns, cleanse them of their sins against me, and forgive all their sins of rebellion. Then this city will bring me great joy and glory and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good that I do for my people, and they'll tremble with awe at the peace and the prosperity I provide for them. Did you know that every person in this room has committed sin? Every one of us. He says, is he talking to me? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Everybody in here, you've blown it. Sometime along the way, you've blown it. I don't know why we enjoy talking about other people's sins. I think we do it sometimes to keep the pressure off of our sins. If you want to talk about sin, talk about your own. Leave other people alone. Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But aren't you glad that Jesus died as an atoning sacrifice to pay our sins, pay the debt of our sins? And the Bible says, if like David we repent and turn from our sins and humbly ask him to forgive us, he does. Isaiah goes on to say in this same chapter, chapter 43, verse 25, I, God says, even I am the one who wipes out your transgressions. Say that with me. Wipes out your transgressions. Why? For my own sake, and I will not remember your sin. The psalmist, David said in Psalm 25, verse 7, do not remember the sins of my youth. How many of you ever did something that you wish you hadn't done when you were a kid? Anybody out there? All right, the rest of you just told a story, all right? So don't remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your loving kindness. Remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. I love Psalm 32. David's always confessing that, that he's just thankful for the grace of God. He said, how blessed is the, he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, he also praised the Lord when he said in Psalm 103 that God has not dealt with us according to our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And the Bible says, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who Fear him. Instead of, instead of running away from God when you sin, run to him. Run to him and let him see that humility and that brokenness and that repentance, and he will forgive you, and then you can forget the weight of your sins. You have cast that on Jesus, and he cares for you. Second thing I would say is this, not only does living victoriously mean that you can forget your failures, but also it means now, don't just forget your failures, but focus on the future. God doesn't want you driving the car of your life looking in the rearview mirror. You'll, you're going to have a wreck. Look out the front. It's a lot bigger, by the way. Look at verse 19. Behold, I'll do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Three things in one little text. Focus on the future. Don't just forget the failures. Don't forget the, just forget the past. Focus on the future. That's one of the best ways to forget your failures. He makes three positive statements that we can do here. We, we can do this by the the help of the Lord. We can do what he says in the first part of verse 19. He said, behold, I'm doing something new. God's a creator. God created the heavens and the earth. On day one, he created light and he created darkness. 
On day two, he separated the earth from, uh, on day two, he separated the earth from the heavens. And on day three, he separated the waters, that is the sea, from the land, and he made vegetation. Then on day four, he created the sun, the moon, and the stars and put them exactly where he wanted them. On day five, he made all the sea creatures and all the birds that fly in the air. And on day seven, he made man, and then he made woman. On day six, rather, he made man and he made woman. God did that because he was doing something new. And God's been doing something. Every day is God doing something new. His, his loving kindnesses are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every day is a brand new day. It's like you get a do-over. How many of you need a do-over in life? Anybody out there? You get one every day. Every day. I love Sundays. You know why? It's, it's the brand new day of a whole week. We get a whole new 168 hours. Maybe Jesus will come back this week. Maybe something, somebody that we've been praying for will get saved. Maybe God will just come through in a powerful way. Why don't you start looking ahead and stop looking back? Just stop looking back all the time. And when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. He's going to live in hell and suffer forever. He's the one that's messed up. You're the one that's fessed up. And you've been forgiven. Don't live in your past. Man, God's doing something new right now. Then he says, it will spring forth now. Now it's going to spring forth right now. God says, it may take 70 years for you to be in captivity, but I can take care of that. I'm going to move. Now I want to tell you something about God. God does take his time sometimes. How many of you have ever read in the Bible, wait on the Lord? Anybody ever read that in the Bible? I want to tell you something. I've waited on the Lord for a long time before. I've waited, waited for decades before on things. But let me tell you something. God doesn't do things on our timetable. Amen belongs there. We want everything now because we own microwaves. <laughs> we want something to eat. We can warm it up right now. But God, he operates sometimes more like a long, long-time crock pot. And he just kind of takes his time. But he's doing stuff all the time. He, he's not just working for you. He's working for everybody around you. And he's got the whole thing covered. And God is moving. He may move slowly. But let me tell you something. When it's time to get it done, I start to say, to get her done. When it was time to get it done, God moves quickly. When he finally moves, he moves fast. When he got ready to bring the, back, the people back from Babylonian captivity, he did it fast. He brought in the right king. He got them back. God was springing forth, and he said, I'm going to move quickly. I'm going to move. I'm going to spring forth. And then he asked, a question to make a statement. He doesn't want an answer. He's saying it like Jesus said all of his questions. Jesus knew all the answers. He didn't need an answer to his question. He wasn't inquiring. God's not inquiring. He's just making a statement. He says, will you not be aware of it? Which is a way to say, you're going to be aware of what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something new. It's going to spring forth. All we'll see. Focus on the future. Focus on the future. When I was called to the gospel ministry, Back in 1977, God gave me my life verses from Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. I pray these every day. I prayed them this morning already. Would you just read them with me out of 
Jeremiah 29, verses 11 and following. Read this with me. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. God said, hey, I know the plans I have for you. Some people say God doesn't have a plan for our life. Sure he does. Sure he does. I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. If you'll pray, if you'll come to me and pray and seek my face, I'll bless you. And I have prayed that many times, claimed those verses thousands of times. I did so today. Why? Because God knows that we need to have hope for our future. If we don't have any hope for the future, it's hard to go through today. Amen? Jesus said you can focus on your future. If you're a Christian, you've been forgiven. And you don't have to live in the bondage of yesterday. God's always doing a new thing. Paul had this in mind. He woke up every day looking forward. To my my knowledge, the only time Paul looked back was right before he was about to be executed. And there's one verse in the Bible where Paul looked back. You know what it is? He looked back. He said, you know, I fought the good fight. I, I finished the course. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laying up for me a crown in heaven. He just barely gazed at the back. But he was always looking forward, always looking up. I love what he says in Philippians 3, 12 and following. Not that I've already obtained it or already become perfect, but I press on. Let's all say that together. I press on. Why? So that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. Now watch this. Forgetting what lies behind, say that with me, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, say that with me, and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on, say that with me, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can we give praise to God right now that is all, all that's out there for us is good stuff. Amen. Amen. God doesn't want us... Dwelling on the past. Proverbs 23, 18. You ought to know this verse, my friend. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. God paves the way for your future. Focus on your future. That's what living victoriously means. Now, living victoriously means you can forget your failures, you can focus on your future, and then you'll be able to follow by faith. Follow by faith. Look at the last part of verse 19. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. When they returned from Jerusalem to Babylon, they weren't walking on real nice paved roads. They were walking in the desert. And he said, when you come back, I'm going to come with you. 
The picture here is somebody paving the way, somebody leaving, leading the group. He said, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to make a roadway. I'm going to make it in the wilderness. You won't really know how to go. It's going to be just like Moses and the people walking in the wilderness when they were trying to get to the promised land. I was leading them by the pillar of fire and the cloud by day. You just follow me. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. I can make rivers in the desert. When you don't have any water, I can be your living water. When you don't have a pathway in the wilderness, I can be the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. I am your living water. I will give it to you. I'm going to give you a roadway in the wilderness. I'm going to give you rivers in the desert. It's a picture of God leading his people through the wilderness, through the desert, on the way back from Babylon when they come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. It reminds me so much of what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure this out. In all your ways, just acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will put your feet exactly where they need to go. He's got the pathway. He knows the way home. He will give you, a, even if you're in a wilderness or even a desert, he'll give you a roadway and a river. He knows every pothole. He knows every pit. He is running interference for you. He's blocking for you. He sees every enemy. He knows every problem that's out there. You can say with him, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, let's say it together. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now watch, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Here it is again. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, here it is now. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Come on, read it with me. My cup and, my, and thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. How many of you got a, a cup that's running over today? Amen. Amen. More than you need. Surely goodness, now say it with me, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The road we're on leads to heaven, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's thank God for that. Amen. Amen. You say, well, how can I get on that road? I'm so glad you asked. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Jesus Christ loves you so much. Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinless life. Before that, the God who created the universe allowed himself to be in the body of a little bitty baby. Can you even fathom that? He humbled himself. He grew up tempted in all ways like we are, yet he never gave in to temptation. And he went to the cross, the only sinless person ever to live. And he died on the cross as an atoning sacrifice. He did it to pay the penalty for your sin. And then they buried him and then he cleaned up the grave, came out with the keys, rose from the dead, offers us eternal life. 
That's the God who did this for you. There's nobody like Jesus. There, there's nobody that can clean up your mess from your past. There's nobody that can say to you, just give me your past. I, I got it. Let's, let, let's nail your past to the cross. Ah, there, my blood's forgiven it now. It's under the blood. Forget it. You repented. You, you for, now, let's, let's move on. How many of you want to move on with Jesus? Anybody? I don't want to live in the past. I can learn from the past, but I don't want to live in the past. I want to walk in faith. I want to move on. I want God to use me. I want to win people to Christ. I want to share the gospel with people. I, I want to disciple Christians. I want to preach the word. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for our nation. I want to pray for this church. I want to do things for God. I, I don't want to just sit around and soak in and get all the blessings. Man, I want to be a blessing. I, I, I want to, I, whatever time I've got, if I've got five minutes, five years or whatever, I, I want to live it for the Lord. I want to walk victoriously. I don't want to be scared all the time, hoarding everything. Oh, I better get some more toilet paper. We might have another pandemic. I better get some water. I don't want to dry up and be like a, a, a raisin or a prune, you know. I don't want to die. Cut it out, man. What is wrong? It's time to look forward. And finish well. I can't do anything about that stuff back there except give it to God. I'm running the race. I'm going to look toward the goal. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm not going to call to mind the former things. I'm not going to ponder things of the past. Behold, God is going to do something new in my life. Now it will spring forth. Will I not be aware of it? He will even make a roadway in the wilderness. Praise God, rivers and the desert. 